0: Welcome to another episode of Dr. James Beckett Sports Card Insights here with Tim Shepler, a.k.a. Big Shep, one of the co-founders of the excellent podcast about the cards. Uh, but before we get into it with Tim and uh, bat some things around, uh, thanks sponsors, Top Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, including Beckett Grading and Beckett Authentication. So welcome, Tim, fellow podcaster whom I respect, about the Cards is one of my favorite listens, but now, and I do plan to be on your show when, when you invite me, but I get a chance to interview you and hear some of your hobby journey and origin. So again, welcome to the show and delighted to have this conversation.
1: Well, well thank you so much. This means the world to me and, and the kind words about our show and uh, just, just mind blowing. So we, I really appreciate it. I know the other guys uh, do as well. So thank you.
0: Who had the idea for About the Cards?
1: Uh, it, it really came down. Like I'd been thinking about it for a while and I'd said something to, to Ben Wilson about it one day and he goes, well, let's just do it. And, uh, we'd sent out a tweet and then Steph says, Hey, I have a mic I can hop on. And I really didn't know Steph all that well. We, you know, we we knew each other through Twitter a little bit and had had some conversations, but, and we just started an episode. We hit episode 100 last night.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and we just, Hey, we'll do it and see what happened. We just start, we did episode zero. We said, we'll just see what it is. We had no concept of what we really wanted to do. And we just kept rolling every week.
0: Yeah, I told uh, Stefan, you know, that w- the, the second word in the description of your show is hopefully. And it it just it's very pleasing to me that here here's some hobbyists who got together and were not pretentious. They said, we're going to throw something out there. We're going to we're going to enjoy this. We're going to do it together. And uh, and hopefully we're going to be uh, hitting a responsive note, which obviously you have for 100, 100 episodes. That's a, that's a wonderful uh, milestone. But you were already involved in the in the hobby before that. Yeah,
1: I I've I've collected since um, really probably night, late 1986, 90, uh, 1987, uh, up until the strike year of 94 and then came back uh, in 2012 Yeah, and, were, and you hopped you on out? Twitter.
0: When you came back in 2012, were you freaked out or was that it, things were more normal in those days, but were, were, had you been gone too long or did you pick up right where you left off?
1: I, I was gone too long because I thought all my cards were, were super valuable and awesome <laughs> uh, to come <laughs> to realize that there were a lot of them and just everything had changed. Um and it took a couple of years to kind of figure out my path and my way of, of how to collect or what I wanted to collect and where I wanted to be. Uh, for a few years, I kind of tried to collect everything and you just can't nowadays. And um, I had to really narrow the focus, but it was surprising how many people were willing to help um, through the community on Twitter that I, that I had uh, that, that sent stuff to me and did trades without uh, truly knowing if I've ever meet, met me. Um, I don't really have any local collectors uh, besides Ben that I'm super close to. And um, so it, it was great to, to meet these people and, and just kind of build up and have friends and then people help teach me, um, kind of what's out there and, and what to look for
0: and, and help narrow down what I wanted to do. So you've got a lot of digital friends, you know, uh, you know, the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, all the different various social media. What percentage of those friends have you actually met in person?
1: Uh, well, it was, it had been very little uh, up until the national last year. Um, I'd been friends online with Steph for seven, eight years, finally got to meet him. I mean, I was in a house. We, we did kidding. Airbnb. And wow. there were like eight or nine people in the house that I knew online that I'd never met, but we were all going to live in this house together for the weekends. And I show up and meet these people. And it was like, I knew that it was like a high school reunion and they invited me in. Um, I, I, so I probably met maybe five or 6% of the people that I've met online and people came up and said, Hey, I really appreciate your show. It's so good to meet you. I saw people like I loved and followed you being one of them where I like lost my mind there for a few minutes and kind of went numb and, um, But, and and to see some of the people like, oh, there's, you know, hey, there's Eric Norton uh, of Beckett. Hey, you know, there's, there's Jim Beckett over there. There's Steph. I mean, there's, there's my friend, there's this guy, Kevin, or those back pages, Eric, and and meeting those people and um, just normal as can be. It was it was crazy. So,
0: well, the yeah. the, the common bond of just loving uh, sports cards is, is pretty amazing. But I think you've got the potential of a reality show of the the the, the nine guys or nine people in a in a in a uh, Airbnb or whatever in a house and and uh, maybe uh, Netflix would want to follow that around and see if anybody got voted out or anything.
1: Yeah, no, it'd been it'd been awesome. I mean, we call it the Collect House, and Steph, I've never seen anybody do this. We were out. The man brought a carload full of cards just because. Uh, from Texas to Chicago. And then he's sorting in the dark. We're in the backyard of this house. And we couldn't figure out how to turn the light, the patio lights on. So we're out there enjoying some pizza and having some beverages. And Steph is sorting in the dark. Now, I can't see the pizza in front of my face, but yet Steph is sorting cards looking for variations and, and print dot errors and pulling stuff left and right. And we were just mesmerized by, uh, well, his, his night vision. Well, it was fun. It would have been a good reality show because the guy that- the guy hosting it basically was the dude from Big Lebowski. Just, uh-huh. He lived in Chicago. And we didn't know this until the last night, but he was sleeping in the backyard in a teepee he had while we were staying at the house. I'm telling you,
0: you missed an opportunity to syndicate the rights. Yes.
1: I think that's something we're going to work for, for 2021. If we can have a national advantage back in Chicago, we want to rent back the same house uh, and go back. And and that would be, that'd be phenomenal.
0: That'd be cool. Like I said, I I don't know that I feel like in our industry, the percentage of uh, there'd be some disappointments but mostly not, you know, when you finally meet the people that you share, uh, this love of the industry, they're, they're basically really good people. So mm-hmm. I think that's, 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 that's really cool. Okay. So 2012, you got back into it. Uh, what did you do to position yourself to be, were you just active on social media or, I mean, how did you get to where you're now kind of uh, authoritative with this about the cards with these other sharp guys?
1: Well, we just, um, we just started like the follow Friday thing was really big is that I was listening to cardboard connection radio And so I was pretty heavily involved uh, Wednesdays and Friday nights in their chats and met some people that way. Then kind of led to meeting, you know, uh, you know, following each other on Twitter and just started going back and forth and and communicating that way. And it's where I met like one person, Ben McGuire, right. And then he was doing um, freelance writing for Beckett and he was buddies with Chris Olds. And so it led to that. And he also was a high school or a college uh, friend of Mike Oz that does the pack openings on Yahoo now. And so, kind of at that way, and it just kind of opened these doors up. As I met Steph, and, and Steph knew him, you know, as I call him now, Uncle Rich. Um, yeah. And it kind of just let all these other doors open. And I just kept pulling knowledge because uh, I was a retail manager for a long time, and I was I, there. Was managers I loved, the managers I didn't like. So I took things I liked and didn't like from others and kind of formed my own thing. And so I started doing that as a collector and voicing things on the hobby. And and so it was just kind of like built up. And I love being a, a resource because I had a lot of knowledge of the old stuff how things were and i'm one of those guys i like to get facts right if i'm going to talk about it i want to make sure i have all my ducks in a row and if i'm if i don't i'm going to tell you ahead of time um because i don't want to give out bad information and i think for um there were some people doing that and so it was like i found kind of like my place like hey i want to i want to help um help other people that help because i got help i mean i had help for five years trying to get to a, a certain point and um i wanted to repay that to other people that are hopping back in
0: i i hope it's a pay it forward hobby i think it is mm-hmm. and like i said with these there's there's all these other podcasts that are they're not stepping on my toes they're not stepping on your toes they're doing they're doing fresh uh stuff and i i have a lot of knowledge about some things but i don't have all knowledge about all things and so i'm really getting a kick out of listening to some of these other podcasts that talk about things that i just either wasn't exposed to or didn't go as deep now i'm super deep on certain things from back when i was immersive but like i said nobody knows it all and that's that's the beauty of the industry is it it's so many faceted.
1: Yeah. And, that, and that's kind of why we, we put together the Hobby Hotline, um, which is our Saturday show we're involved with a bunch of other different six power five other podcasts, because everybody has a different field of what they're doing. And it kind of brings in experts from all of those fields. Um, or it's like, we, we think we're experts, but we're we're doing different things. All of our podcasts are different. Mm-hmm. And so we're allowed to, to merge together and then, and then put that information out. Uh, and we try to, we try to on About the Cards. We try to have other people on that have different backgrounds than what we do. Um, so we can help our listeners evolve their collecting knowledge.
0: Uh, it's not about your hobby origin story, but you may be aware of this and you may have some perspective. Did you listen to Drew's uh, Let Me Get That Potograph episode that was just the most recent one where he did the treatment of the grading companies? I haven't yet. Okay, well, it just came out. But basically, he had John Newman on there and a couple other guys that were each one kind of representing one of the grading companies. And they all were lamenting the fact that the grading companies don't cooperate with each other as much; they're more competitive. And if they got together and coordinated some things, it would really, uh, you know, identify the scammers and, and things like that. And so, my question to you is: Well, first of all, my statement is that when you're when you're running a business, cooperating with your competitors is not simple. <laughs> it's not simple. I mean, you can be civil, but it's it's just it's just complicated. But given that it's complicated, how come? The podcaster community is so the opposite of that, of so cooperative with each other and not, not even worrying that much about who gets the credit. Maybe that's where Drew's coming from, is, is that the, the, the collegiality of the of the podcasters is such, hey, if we've got a problem, let's work together to fix it.
1: Yeah, I think it all comes from the same part is that we were all collectors at one point before we um, had a, a business or we had the podcast. I mean, we have Doug and Dan from Mojo Break. Right. They're the first ones to, to raise their hand and say, hey, if you want to become a breaker, reach out to us. Uh, we've been doing this over a decade. We're going to show you the pitfalls and what to expect and who to work with. I wanted to get hooked up with a distributor to start to do some online sales of of products and stuff. They walked me through step-by-step of where I needed to go. Plus they even contacted a distributor they knew would work with me and said, Hey, this guy's going to reach out to you. You help him out, please. And nothing but respect. uh, You know, and so it was kind of like, I think we all came from a spot where we're just guys and we all did this as kids. And now we're doing it as adults for whatever, for one way or the, uh, the other. I mean, I'm just doing this for fun, but other guys are doing this to make money. And, and, we just kind of put everything aside and said, Hey, listen, we can do something greater for the greater good of the hobby, uh, by, by putting this together. And, um, it, we had other people that wanted to be involved in the show. And unfortunately because of who they have associations with, um, they were asked, uh, you know, they asked permission to be on the show and they were told they couldn't, or they couldn't do certain things. And we respect that wholeheartedly. Um, but we really wanted to have more podcast voices involved, but student sponsorships or, you know, jobs we couldn't. So, um, you know, that we understand that, but we want to be upfront and honest as, as we can. And, and that's like about the cards. Like we're going to tell you, we're going to, we're going to pull all the, you know, we're, we're not here to take uh, you know, bribes from people that say, Oh, this is great. When we don't believe it, we're going to tell you what we believe. And uh, I think that's what brings all the other podcasters together is that we have a very open door on what to do. And so we all merged together and kind of had a common idea that we wanted to bring together.
0: Well, I think it's a, it's an enchanting thought as well as a scary thought to think what would happen if the collectors ran the industry. You know, but I think my counterpoint to that is that if the card companies and some of the larger companies in the industry listen to the podcast, listen to collectors, try to get a sense of, of what what the average collector, the average dealer is is thinking and processing, they'd be better off. I'm not sure they'd need to run it, but if they were good listeners. You know, the larger the company, the more corporate they get sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and, I was I at was the top Q&A last year at the National, and I asked a question. I said, would you guys, if you could, would you guys trade five baseball releases uh, because you're able to release X number of baseball products a year? Would you trade five or six of those to Panini so you could release three, three football and three basketball releases? And they, they kind of all step back, and they're like, well, you know, we can't. But that's to me, is my dream is where, okay, yeah, baseball is an exclusive with Tops. But Topps would have the ability to say, hey, listen, we're going to give 10 of these exclusive releases out, some to Upper Deck and some to Panini. And in return, we're going to be able to make some of those other products. Because who doesn't miss Topps Chrome Football? And who doesn't miss Upper Deck Baseball? And I know it's never going to happen. And that's a dream world that I live in. But um, that's, that's the utopia I would see if uh, collectors ran the card companies.
0: Well, if I re- you, know, you need to run more than the card companies. If I was running the, the Major League Baseball, Major League Players Association, or one of the, or football, or, or basketball, or hockey, you know, this success of the Topps uh, Project 2020, uh, Upper Deck could do that with hockey because mm-hmm. they have the old designs. They have they could get some artists and they could they could take because they have a hockey license. But Panini would be stuck. They've got they they've got football and basketball, but they don't have the legacy cards to tap into. They would need to go to tops for that. And if I were the czar, if I were in charge, I, I agree. I'd say this concept is so cool and it's so broadening the industry and the hobby that tops you work with Panini and share the revenue, share whatever you want to share. But to have a, a, a project 2020 for football and basketball, it'd be it'd be spectacular, I think. Yeah,
1: no, it'd be, it'd be tremendous. Yeah.
0: But, uh, again, we're out of time. We just when we come up with a good idea. and <laughs> We're going to be short on details of how that would work out. But uh, thanks, Tim. Thanks, Big Shep, for uh, being here today. We'll, I want to get you back and talk about your favorite player, but we'll do that at a different time. And In the meantime, listen to About the Cards. Uh, it's, a, it's a great listen. I'm a, a loyal subscriber and listener as well. So we'll thanks, really appreciate guys, it. everybody. Thank be back again tomorrow with another episode.